I've talked with uh, many different people. I can remember talking with people even in seminary as I was training to become a pastor, and one of the things that they would talk about in seminary is, it's going to get worse. It's going to be so hard. It's going to be, it's going to get worse. And I'll, I'll talk with people, um, you know, when we're talking before the service or after the service, and people will say, uh, you know, it's going to get bad. It's going to get bad. And what they mean is that it's going to be hard to be a Christian, or it's going to be hard to be a pastor, or it's going to be hard to be a church because there's this expectation that uh, there is going to be a growing amount of persecution against the church. There's this, this idea that that's going to be the case. Maybe it will be in five years, maybe it will be next year. Maybe it already started last year. Maybe it's going to be in a decade or two, but certainly we are confident that it's going to get really bad. And here's the, the, the tone that I hear most often is, I'm praying that it doesn't happen. Or, I'm really glad that I'm old enough, I'm not going to see much of it. And, and I think that as we open God's Word today, that Jesus is going to give us a different perspective. As, as He's sitting and teaching His disciples, His followers, what His kingdom is like and what our expectations of living in His kingdom should be, I think that like with everything else, He's just going to turn it on his, its head and we're going to see something completely different. Because as He has been teaching them, He has been talking to them like this. It says, he opened his mouth. This is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 2. He opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And now we get to verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He started off by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And now he closes these blessings, these beatitudes, by saying yet again, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He is explaining what his kingdom is like, right? We have already said that Matthew begins the book of Matthew by making the case that Jesus is the king of the kingdom of heaven, and now Jesus is beginning to teach his disciples and explain what this kingdom is like, and he has said that these are the kinds of people that are blessed in his kingdom. It's the poor in spirit. It's those who mourn. It's those who are meek. It's those who, are, who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's those who are merciful. It's those who are pure in heart. It's those who are peacemakers. It's those who are persecuted. I was asked just before the service, are, are you ready for this morning? And I said, is anybody ever ready to preach on persecution? 
Is anyone ever ready to be persecuted? I mean, if you were to ask me, are you ready to die for Christ? I would say, sure. But the likelihood of that happening today is pretty small. I don't, I don't expect anybody to come in here while we're meeting this morning and for me to die because I'm proclaiming the name of Christ this morning. That's not true everywhere in the world right now. When other people say, yes, I am ready for, to die for Christ, it is because they have already weighed the cost and have the expectation that that could realistically happen today. And for me, that's not the kind of persecution that I would expect to have happen to me today. And so it makes me stop and pause and say, what is my attitude toward persecution? I, I don't think that I have an idea that persecution is equal to blessing. Maybe I'm unique in that. But I think that many of us are trying to avoid persecution. That we would find blessing, we would identify blessing as non-persecution. I'm trying to avoid that. Isn't persecution the the definition of non-blessing? Isn't that the key? Isn't that the key to know, hey, if, if people are against you, probably you're not doing things right. If people are persecuting you, you must not find God's favor. Isn't that how it should be? Shouldn't we, if we are following God and loving God, have an expectation that He will bless us with like real blessings and people won't persecute us because we're following Him? And what Jesus is saying is, no, the real, per- the real blessings are being persecuted for righteousness' sake. That's the real blessing. Stop and just think about that for a moment. That is the real blessing. To be persecuted for righteousness' sake. I don't want to do that. I don't enjoy that. I don't want it. Could you pick something different instead, Jesus? Couldn't you say something more to the effect of, blessed is the person who's eating donuts and coffee. For their stomach shall be satisfied and their taste buds will be delighted. Couldn't we have that be one of the Beatitudes instead? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I think there are several keys here. One being that they are persecuted for righteousness sake. I think Christians flip-flop back and forth between not wanting to be persecuted and doing whatever it takes to not be persecuted and then at other times seeking out persecution. so that they can say they were persecuted. We want to be persecuted for righteousness' sake, 
That is, when we are doing these other things, when we are being meek and humble and poor in spirit and hungering and thirsting for righteousness' sake, and when we are being merciful and pure in heart and peacemakers, then when we're persecuted, then when we're persecuted, well, what, what I find too often is that, that people go out and they are jerks for Jesus. And they want to do things like put bumper stickers on people's cars, love Jesus. Well, people don't appreciate having bumper stickers put on their cars for them. They don't appreciate when, when people come and, and, and pester them or try and deceive them. I worked with an organization one time, and uh, we, were, um, we were doing ministry with neighborhood kids. And uh, when we were doing that, there were some kids who had come the first day, and they came the second day, and the second day a parent was there and was watching. And, and this particular group was, was trying to... Um, do whatever it took to convince these kids that they needed to believe in Jesus. And so they were telling some scary stories and things that, and, and were really uh, working hard at this. And, and the, the mom who was observing realized that we were talking about Jesus and went, this is not for me. Kids, come on. And the, the organization that I was working with, the people of that organization that I happened to be working with that particular day were very disappointed, but for a different reason than I was disappointed. They were disappointed that the mom found out and took the kids away. Because I think what they were hoping is that somehow we would cajole these children into believing in Jesus and praying some sort of sinner's prayer apart from their mother's knowledge, and then they would be saved even though their mom didn't want them to be. I was disappointed for a whole different reason. I was disappointed because I didn't know the mom didn't know what was going on. There was some bad press for that organization later that same year. And the cry on the Christian, in the part of the Christian community was, oh, persecution, we're talking about Jesus and we're being persecuted for it. No, we were being jerks for Jesus. And I think that we need to do this. We need to have some sort of a grid that says, how am I being persecuted or why am I being persecuted? So that we evaluate. Because there are times when we might want to say, the thing that I'm doing is for Jesus and I'm receiving negative feedback about this and so therefore it is persecution. And we put on our uh, persecution merit badge because, haha, I achieved the persecution merit badge by driving people crazy for Jesus. And I think instead what we need to do is we need to say, am I being persecuted or am I having um, expected consequences for my behavior? When I'm talking with my kids and one of them comes to tell me, hey, the other kid did it, I have learned to ask this question. And what did you do? They come to me, well, the other kid, right, okay, and what had you done? Well, they were just hitting me, and what had you done? Well, they were hitting me, and what 
had you done? I was just tickling them till they couldn't breathe. Okay. Hitting is not a good option. However, I think I understand. Let me see if I can put together why this happened. It was because you were being unkind and then they started hitting you. You see, when we are unkind or doing things that drive people crazy and they react the way we might expect a person to react, and we might just do it this way. If they were doing the same thing to us, but the words were different, their, their motive was different, how would our response be? And if we say, oh, What my purpose was good, what I wanted to accomplish was good, but my my attitude, my tone, the methods that I was using were inappropriate, then we need to stop and we need to repent. But, if we are doing this as the kinds of people who uh, mourn with those who mourn, who are doing it meekly, who are merciful and pure in heart and peacemakers, and in that place we are still having negative repercussions? Congratulations. You're blessed. You are blessed. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Here are the kinds of things that persecution might look like. They might revile you or persecute you or utter all kinds of evil falsely against you. Utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. So as we're looking at our grid, here comes the slander, here comes the accusations, and we take our pause and we say, is it true? No, it's not. Okay. Then we are blessed. It doesn't doesn't always feel like blessing, right? Right? Because when you're doing these kinds of things, when you're trying to be kind, when you're trying to be merciful, when you're trying to be helpful, when you're trying to encourage people about who Jesus is, and then you have this sort of negative stuff happening back, it feels like, wait, hang on. Nobody likes to be slandered. More than once I have tried to help somebody just to have them not receive that help and then say bad things about me. And I had a friend one time say, that's not right. And I went, no, that's not right. But I know what I was doing. I, I, don't, I don't feel a need to defend myself. I wish I could say I do that all the time. I wish I could say that I never have a need to defend myself because God knows and I'm doing it before Him. How often does that same thing happen, though, and I just get defensive? Somebody attacks or says something, slanders me. Hey, you can't do that! And then I react back. 
I'm, I'm trying to, to just um, make myself be okay. Like, I, I'm going to defend myself. Protect myself. Defend my honor. Blessed are you. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. It's a blessing when it's on Jesus' account, when it's on account of Jesus. And, and this, to me, I, I want to point this out because uh, this is the first time now that Jesus identifies himself as the king. Before that, Matthew had been making the case for us. He was telling us, we've been expecting a king, there's been a prophesied king who will come, and he's been making the case that Jesus fulfills those prophecies, that Jesus is one of the descendants of David and Abraham. He's been making this case throughout, and Jesus has been proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But now, as he's explaining what the kingdom of heaven is, he says, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account on my account this is the first place now where jesus is identifying that this is his kingdom we are doing it for him and when these things happen they aren't happening and we take it personally They happen because we represent Jesus. It's happening on His account. And so when we go and we represent Jesus and somebody attacks us for it, whether verbally or physically, we have the expectation that we can say, hey, Jesus said this would happen. And when I'm expecting that it's going to happen, then I'm much less defensive and reactive about it. And some of you know that I keep bees. And people will ask me, do you ever get stung? Yes. I keep bees. I expect to get stung. I don't like getting stung. Contrary to popular belief. Most of the time I get stung, I get stung for doing something dumb. I decided, oh, I just have a minute. I'm going to run out and I'm going to feed the bees real quick. And uh, it's not going to take that long. I'm not going to be there very long. I'm just going to go in in, uh, short sleeves and, and shorts real quick to do this. And then I get stung. That wasn't very smart. Right? Sometimes I get stung because I I do something silly. Other times, I'm being more careful, I'm properly suited up and things, but uh, somehow a bee gets in there and stings me. If I get stung, I am expecting. That just happens sometimes. Sometimes you can't do everything you need to do with the gloves on, and so you have to take the glove off, and you're doing what you need to do, and then a bee gets there and it stings you. I don't jump up and down angrily because I got stung. The bee is doing what bees do. It stung me. 
I'm expecting it. In the same way, persecution happens. Sometimes we get persecuted. Some negative things happen to us. They say things against us because we do something dumb. Other times, it also happens to us. We're, we're doing the things that we're supposed to be doing, and yet these negative things happen to us, and we expect that that's going to happen sometimes. Jesus has said that's what's going to happen sometimes. You're going to be persecuted. And so we have to have the expectation that that's going to happen so that when it happens, though we don't like it and it's uncomfortable, painful even, we are not reacting defensively as though it's some sort of personal affront against us when it is against Jesus. It's on his account. Why did it happen? Because I was following Jesus. But that's not fair. That's true. They lied and slandered and accused me of things I didn't do. It was done falsely. Okay. Okay. Jesus has been so merciful to me. He's been so good to me. He's been so kind to me. He has seen me at my very worst. And he said, come child. Come here. And so when I get somebody's very worst because I'm following Jesus, we can accept that. We can accept that. Do you know how Jesus was persecuted? And for what he was persecuted? He was teaching. He was teaching people about his coming kingdom. And others didn't like that. He was healing people. There were people who were sick and crippled and dying and blind and deaf, and he healed them. And for healing them, others got mad and said all kinds of nasty things about Jesus. Oh, well, you know how he's doing that. He worships the devil. That's why that works for him. He's not allowed to do that. He was healing them on on the Sabbath day. What kind of an awful sinner heals people on the Sabbath day? And the more this went on, the greater the persecution got. And as I was looking through the book of Matthew, if you have a a red-letter Bible where the words of Jesus are read, 
um, you might notice that as you're looking through the, the book of Matthew, when you get to, uh, say, chapter 26 or so, then uh, there start being fewer and fewer red letters. And so I was just scrolling. I, I'm scrolling because it's on my tablet. You might be flipping. That, that's fine, too. But I was just scrolling through and seeing what was happening as the people were plotting to kill Jesus. And Jesus has this Passover with his disciples and he's telling them, somebody's going to betray me. And then he goes out to pray. And he prays with his disciples on the Mount of Olives. And he's praying and he's saying, Lord, I don't like this. I don't want, if there's any other way other than this kind of, of death, other than this kind of persecution, if there's any other way, would you take this away from me so I could do it a different way? While at the same time resigning himself to what's about to come and trying to explain to his disciples, would you please, please stop falling asleep and pray with me and stay with me? As I'm getting ready for what is going to be the worst day of my life. And then Judas comes to betray him and Jesus says, friend, just do what you came to do. And Peter starts to, def- to defend Jesus with a sword and P- Jesus goes, Peter, no. Do you, think this, <laughs> do you think that I can't appeal to my father and he would at once send more than 12 legions of angels? But how should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? And he goes with them willingly. And they make all kinds of accusations against him and he stands before them and they say, Now, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus says to them, You have said so. But I tell you that from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And so they took him away. And he stands before uh, the governor and who asks, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, you have said so. That's it. That's it. That's the extent of Jesus' um, defending himself. He knows who he is. He knows what he has come to do. He knows what's about to happen. And he just says, yep, that's who I am. That's who I am. And they take him away to be crucified. To be beaten and crucified. And these are his last words. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is... My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It, is, it feels as if even God the Father has turned on him at that point. But this is what Jesus is being called to do. This is the way in which Jesus conquers and wins his kingdom. And you and I are willingly brought into his kingdom. 
You are not brought into his kingdom so that you can have your best life now. You are not brought into his kingdom so that you can have all of the riches and comforts that there are to be had in living in the United States. You are brought into his kingdom so that you might see and experience the presence of God. All of the sin and everything that keeps you separated from God, God removes by that death of Jesus on the cross. And Jesus says, now, as my followers, you also are going to be persecuted, and blessed are you when you are persecuted for my sake. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for my sake. In fact, in verse 12 of Matthew chapter 5, he continues to say, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Rejoice and be glad. Be so happy. Be so happy when you're persecuted. This is, this is the opposite of the way that I think about things, right? I don't want to have like a Jesus, I'm so happy I'm being persecuted right now moment. Or like, this is great or what I'm expecting. I want the like William Wallace kind of, freedom! This last cry of defiance. No, rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad because your reward is great in heaven. And because they persecuted the prophets who were before you in the same way. And here I think that Jesus is, is trying to help us to understand the context or the, the reasons for these persecutions. You see, it's, it's not just because we are a different kind of people or something, but because we are proclaiming, we are identifying with Jesus. We're saying, I am a Jesus follower, and we're explaining what that means. We're talking about who Jesus is as the king and what his kingdom is. And when we do that, then we are persecuted and we rejoice in it. If the persecution is for any other reason, that's un unfortunate and unpleasant. But when we are being persecuted for Jesus' sake, that is a great blessing. For your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And I think about why were the prophets persecuted? Because they kept saying, you guys got to repent of your sin. And all the sinners went, no, I don't want to. And they said, no, really, we need to repent of our sin and turn back to God because we are God's people. And they died for that. And Jesus died for saying, this is my kingdom and I have come to bring it. And Jesus' disciples were persecuted for the same thing. So that even those who were sitting there listening to him as he was teaching them. This is what it says about them in Acts chapter 4. 
They had been, Peter and John had been out uh, healing people and, and the, the um, religious leaders at the time were not happy about what was going on because not only were they healing people, but they were also saying that Jesus was the way to God. And they went, we don't like that. What's the deal with all this healing stuff? And Peter and John said, well, we heal people in the name of Jesus because that's where the power comes from, because Jesus is the king. And they went, you've got to stop saying that. Peter and John said, well, we can't really stop saying that because it's true. What are we going to do? Tell you we didn't heal him in the name of Jesus? We healed him in the name of Jesus. That's how it happened. And so they warned them strongly, you better not do this again. And so in chapter 4, verse 23, then they were released and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, when the other disciples heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. But truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And Lord, now look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Did you hear what they prayed for? God, everybody is against you. And because we are for you, they are all against us too. And so would you please make them stop being against us? Would you please take away all the persecution? Is that what they said? No. Instead, what they said was, would you please help us to be bold to continue to proclaim the truth? So they did. And in Acts chapter 5, verse 27, it says, And then they were brought before them and set before the council again. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, and yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us? But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, by hanging him on a tree. And God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Naturally, that's not what they wanted to hear. Again, they were taken and they were beaten. Verse 40 says, And when they had called in the disciples, they beat them and charged them again not to speak in the, not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then they let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for that name. 
And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease preaching and teaching that Jesus is the Christ. Here's my hope for this morning. My hope is that for you and for me, we would see persecution not as something to be resented, but something to be um, delighted in. That we would be exceedingly joyful should we happen to encounter some persecution. As long as that persecution is for proclaiming the name of Jesus. So if we can be the kind of people who don't cry persecution, persecution, persecution when we're not being persecuted, but we do praise God for being counted worthy to be called one of His and persecuted for His sake, what a great honor. What a great honor. Jesus went to the cross on our behalf. He died on the cross for us. He gave His life for us. If we should be able to accept a little bit of persecution on His behalf, what a great honor in His kingdom. And so it is my prayer for you that you would be persecuted this week. For the sake of Jesus. Because I think that we really do want to be blessed with true blessing. And when it happens, let's praise God for it. Father in heaven, Lord, this is not something that is easy to ask for. It's not even something that I'm confident that I want. And yet, Lord, I see the way that your people have responded to persecution. And the way that they were emboldened to continue to proclaim the name of Jesus. And Lord, I want to be counted among them. Lord, we know too that there are those in other places around the world right now who are receiving this kind of painful blessing. Lord, we praise You. We praise You that You are faithful. We praise You that You are good. We praise You for their faithfulness in following You. And Lord, we pray for them We pray that they would continue to be emboldened to proclaim the name of Christ. Lord, we pray that they would be faithful to the end. 
And Lord, we pray that in their faithful boldness, in the face of persecution, that your kingdom would expand. That more and more people might know that Jesus is the King. Not the kind of King who rules in a domineering way, but the kind of King who humbly, meekly, lays his own life on the line for the sake of his people. And Father, we pray that you would make us into those same kind of Christ followers. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.